Amen. You may be seated. Oh, good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see you. My name is Jim, and it's my honor and pleasure to be one of the pastors here at First Methodist Church. Hey, just real quick, you know, it's very interesting. Um, we have the ability to hold a lot of things together. If you think about God, who comes to hold grace and truth, divinity and humanity, life and death, and that's the capacity that the church has. And today we have the joy of celebrating all of our wonderful children. And we do so also recognizing uh, that around the world there is great chaos and harm and darkness. And so we are very mindful today of ongoing conflict around the world, especially uh, that which has erupted in Israel over the past few days. And continue, I'd invite you to continue to pray for peace. The Bible says, pray for peace in Jerusalem. The Bible also says that may we beat our swords into plowshares, our instruments of violence into that of nourishment and nurture. And so we lift that prayer up on behalf of the people. So we're going to turn our attention now to, once again, to the Word of God. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 6. I'm going to start reading uh, in verse 19 and then move on down to verse 24. So you'll hear some selections, some of which will be on the screen. So I invite you to hear now the Word of the Lord. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. On to verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 
You ever have a friend who knows how to ask just the right question and sometimes ask a question that's just a little bit annoying? I have a friend, he's not annoying at all, uh, but he asked a tough question that I heard the other day. He said, which of these statements scares you more? That there would be no God or that there would be no money in your bank account? I didn't like that question very much. What would be more scary to you? How scary is it when there's no money in your bank account? Well, today we're continuing our series of sermons called Entrusted. And what we're doing is exploring the transformative power of whole life stewardship. And here's the premise. Here's the idea. Everything belongs to God and is entrusted to us to steward faithfully, to care for, for good and for his glory. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so that means our lives, our bodies, our family, our friends, our skills, our responsibilities, our money, our ministry together is all a gift entrusted to us by God that we would steward on his behalf. I don't know about you, but I tend to take care of things differently when they are entrusted to me by someone special. This is whole life stewardship, and it's a transformative concept that comes from the scriptures. Now, we've been talking over the past number of weeks about a variety of subjects. Last week, we talked about stewarding our lives and our bodies. You can find all of our past sermons, by the way, now on our website, firstmethodistalbany.com. There's a section for sermons and podcasts as well you can link to. But today, today, the title of this message is The Gospel of Money. The Gospel of Money. Money matters. You need money. We need money to pay our bills, to put food on the table. And how else will we make sure that we have an endless supply of empty Amazon boxes if we don't have money? How will FedEx stay in business if not for our money? We spend time working for our money, an inordinate amount of time, or seeking to earn it in some way. A lot of time enjoying the fruits of our money, managing our money, and sometimes quite a bit of time worried about money. Money takes up a great part of our life. And talking about money is risky business in nearly any venue because money touches every area of our lives, including our fears and our insecurities. It might be risky to talk about money, but do you know who did not have any trouble talking about money? It's time for your children's church Sunday school answer, Jesus. Almost 25% of Jesus' teachings have to do with money, and a majority of his parables have to do with money and property. The Bible as a whole has over 2,500 verses that have to do with money or property. God has a lot to say about money. Now, why? Is it because God wants your money or he's involved in some kind of pyramid extortion scheme? No, Not at all. God does not need our money. Let me tell you a little secret. God created everything out of nothing. So if God needed more money, he'd be like the Fed and just get more, but without causing inflation. God doesn't need our money. God talks so much and shares so much about money because God cares for us. 
God gives us money for good purposes. You all know that money is morally neutral. I know that you've probably heard the the idea that money is the root of all evil. That's one of those not quite true Bible quotes. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money itself is morally neutral. In fact, it is a gift given to us. John Wesley, the uh, pioneer of our Methodist faith, says, money is an excellent gift from God and eminently useful for good. But just like any gift, we can use it for good or for evil, for help or for harm. So God instructs us about money so that we can use it to maintain a healthy relationship with money and so that we can use it for all manner of good. Good to care for those who are entrusted to us, to do good to those among the family of faith, and especially as we are able to do good to all people everywhere. The Bible is filled with excellent wisdom about money. There's, you could go down in uh, all throughout the scriptures. There's great wisdom and great tips. We don't have time to go into specifics today, but what I want to do, uh, because I want you to, to see and have that resource, what we've done here at the church is put together a small, it's uh, about a three by five booklet, 32 page booklet of, called the Field Guide, First Methodist Field Guide for, on Faith and Money. And it has scripture uh, and Uh, points of Christian heritage and prayers for you. You can get that actually now. I like this. The booklet has pre-released on firstmethodistalbany.com slash ebooks. You can download it now uh, as a PDF or ebook. We can put that in the chat for those watching on Facebook. And they're coming hot off the press uh, this week. So next week I'll be giving out hundreds of copies of this for you to either have as a resource or for you to share with somebody uh, because this is what I believe is that we really want our faith to touch every area of our lives. And so we want to help you have as many resources as possible. But before we even get into the nuts and bolts of what does the Bible say uh, about specific areas of our financial life, our property life, and what we do with those things, before we can get into all of those areas about financial stewardship, we need to start at the heart of the matter. And that is the heart. And the question that Jesus begins to really address, I think this is a pivotal passage in Matthew 6 about Jesus' teaching about our relationship with money. What place does money hold in your heart? What place does money hold in your heart? In Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus reminds us of the relationship between money and our hearts and how it can really be a captivated relationship. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he names the tensions in various places throughout this passage about having a heart sold for the gospel of Jesus Christ and struggling with our heart centered on the gospel of money, on the gospel of money. Now, that might be a strange term, lowercase g, gospel of money. Let me tell you what my uh, friend Steve Cuss said. I I follow him on Twitter or X, if you're fancy. Um, He said this about Christian faith in general. We struggle to enjoy the gospel of Jesus Christ because we do not realize how much we embrace other gospels. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we also believe in dozens of other gospels that 
at the same time and meld them together. He talks about things like the inner monologue and inner critic, what money promises and how we are to live, etc. And let me, let me break this down for you. A gospel, a lowercase g gospel, it does a couple of things. It makes a promise, a pathway to the promise, and there is a payment required. So a gospel makes a promise, it offers a pathway to that promise, and it requires a payment. So let's associate this with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ promises freedom and peace and eternal life in joy with God the Father. That's the promise. Is that promise attainable? Yes, by the path, which is Jesus Christ and our faith and surrender to him. That's the path. Third is the price. The price Jesus himself paid for us on the cross by giving his life that we might have life. And therefore, the promise is attainable, and this is the true gospel. But there are many things that make promises to us, and many things that get into our hearts and minds that we seek to follow. There are many belief systems, in fact, associated with money. Those kinds of gospels of money, they make promises like, if you have everything you want, you will always be satisfied. The promise might be, in me you can find lifelong security, or you can rise to the ranks of the influential and renowned, or if you only had enough money, everything will be okay. And those are the promises that this belief system about money makes, and yet that promise will never be fulfilled. It's like chasing the carrot on a stick. It's like the the time that I uh, heard somebody asked a rich person, well, how much more money do you need? And they said, just a little more. The promise is exhausting and leaves us without peace because we can't ever reach it. Well, the path to those kinds of promises with the gospel of money might be something like this. You can reach the promise if you throw everything you can at work so you can earn everything. Or it might be the path would be spend nothing ever because money is scarce, you'll never have enough, and you might die. Or make money by any means, even if that means making money the primary point of your life and sacrificing everything else, including relationships and morals. There are lots of other paths as well. In false gospels like this, you have the promise and you have the path, but you will always end up paying the price because as you seek to uh, follow that path, you're never going to reach the promise, and that price that you might pay is there is never enough. I must live in a constant state of striving harder and harder. Um, It might be constant anxiety is the price that you pay, or sacrificing your body or your relationships or having consequences catch up with you those prices you will always pay. Well, in John chapter six, or Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tackles a few of these false gospels really head on. He says, for example, when we're tempted by the promise that money will bring you eternal security, my 401k and my investments and my funds and all of that, when we're tempted by the promise that money brings us security for the future, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Change your focus, he talks about. Focus on that of heaven. It's also, you could also summarize it a little bit like this. You can't take it with you. Or the old funeral home joke, uh, my hearse doesn't have a ball hitch for your U-Haul trailer. 
When the gospel of money demands our constant attention, and that's the price that we have to pay and the path that we go on, Jesus reminds us in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And when the gospel of money makes us pay with worry and insecurity, he reminds us, do not worry saying, what will we eat? Do not worry saying, what will we drink or what will we wear? For indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You see, Jesus knows that there are beliefs about money and how it can be tied deeply to our heart because money touches everything. It just does. It's just the way of it. And he wants us to to have a true sense of peace living in the gospel of Jesus where we have freedom, where at the core of his teaching, at the great core of his teaching, is the heart of the matter. We begin here with with all matters of stewardship, especially financial, financial stewardship. He says, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, look at the birds. Aren't they pretty? Do you not know that you're more valuable than they? Look at the flowers. There's some camellias blooming in the yard, but don't you know that you are more valuable than they, that the Lord provides? Seek first the kingdom of God. This is the heart of the matter. It is to release ourselves from the various false gospels and belief systems that we may not even realize are a part of our lives, but especially when it comes to something as uh, close to our heart as money. If we can Seek first the kingdom and orient ourselves properly. Then we have a greater and stronger relationship with money. Here's two questions we can ask to recognize if there's a false gospel in our lives, a belief system that is contrary to the gospel. First, can it keep the promise it makes? Can it keep the promise it makes? And the answer is almost always no, except for one, and that is the gospel of Jesus. And the second question you ask is, who must pay? Who must pay? Well, I'm paying with my anxiety. I'm paying with my exhaustion. I'm paying with my conscience. I'm paying uh, at the expense of my family or relationships. It is a false gospel, a false belief system if you pay the price and you never make the promise. And there is one true gospel that brings real peace and freedom and Jesus has already made the price, paid the price, and the path is simple. It is faith in him. And so at the heart of all of Jesus' teaching about finances is not so much what, what God wants you to do with your money, as if the church, I know we get this everywhere, is some oppressive, moralistic, tell-you-what-to-do kind of institution. If that's what we think about the church, especially when it comes uh, to matters of how we behave, you've got it wrong. And if we're doing that to people, we've got it wrong. The message is about, first and foremost, your heart. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he wants to, by his grace, empower you through Jesus to seek first the kingdom of God in all things, especially the things that are most central to your heart, especially where we are bound up in belief systems that are contrary to peace and freedom and abundant life in Jesus. So at the heart, at the heart of faithful financial stewardship, is this teaching of Jesus. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you.
What place does money hold in your heart? Is it your motivating aim? Is it a source of great fear? Is it a source of great joy? Is it the predominant decision, a factor in your decision-making? Or is it ordered in a way where you enjoy it as a gift? You feel free to take care of the people you're responsible for and share it with others? And trusting God that He will provide? Don't settle for a false gospel. Let's get to the heart of the matter and everything else will follow. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And we remember the words of another great hymn where we remember, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen. Amen.